This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. I'm your host, Mike Petriello, a writer and researcher for MLB.com. Along with me here is Matt Myers, MLB.com national editor. And we have finally reached the end of the regular season. As we are recording this, it is Sunday evening. The regular season has been over for about two hours or so. And we finally know who the postseason matchups will be. So we are going to do something a little fun here. We are going to dispense with our usual format. We're going to go through each of the eight, yes, eight, wild card matchups. We're going to do five minutes on each. And it's going to be a serious five minutes. There's actually going to be a buzzer that will force us to stop and we'll make quick predictions. Um, and I think that makes sense because, wow, there's so much baseball yet to come. On Tuesday, there will be the first four games of each of the four American League wildcard series on Tuesday and Wednesday. Excuse me, on Wednesday and Thursday, uh, there will be eight games each day and then possibly a couple more on Friday, depending on which National League teams are still alive. Matt, before we get to going through each of these series, um, what are your thoughts just on some of the, the, the matchups and how we got here? Like, you know, no one's thrilled, I guess, that there's a, a below 500 team or two of them actually, but overall, um, the biggest teams and the best teams that we thought would be here are here for the most part, right? Totally. I mean, we still might see some weird surprises in the first round because, you know, best of three, as we talked about last week. Um, but that's that's baseball, right? So um, best teams are here. The seedings like mostly make sense. There's still some weirdness. Um, I'm sure there's, a, you know, the Giants are probably kicking themselves. They had a bunch of chances this weekend to, to clinch that final spot, but I didn't really think they were a playoff caliber team. Um, anyway, even in a 16 team field and the Dodgers, I'm sure as we discussed last week are probably very glad they don't have to face the giants in the first round because the, the potential bragging rights at stake, if they lost in a year when they, you know, had like a 700 winning percentage, um, would have been too much to bear, um, for that rivalry. So, um, I think the Brewers will make, we'll, we'll get to that series later, but I think that makes for a much more interesting series and, um, you know, um, let's do it. Yeah, I guess quickly before we get to these, let's pour one out for the teams we've lost. The Angels have already parted ways with journal manager Billy Epler. Uh, It sure seems like changes might be afoot for the Mets and Phillies because not making an eight-team playoff series after the moves they made is is somewhat disastrous. And uh, we saw that the Red Sox parted ways with manager Ron Renneke, although I would add that I don't think any manager could have made that work this year. All right, here's what we're going to do. We are going to do five minutes on each of these series. We are going to start... With the first American League wildcard series, the first seed versus the eighth seed, the Rays versus the Jays, we're going to talk for five minutes, and then our fantastic producer Danny is going to make a very loud noise happen, uh, at which point Matt and I will stop talking and make quick predictions. Remember, these are all best of three. Remember also that not all of the new regular season rules are in place. There is no man on second in extra innings. There is a designated hitter in the National League. I know everything's weird, but only some things remain weird. So... Rays and Jays. The Rays are the number one seed in the East, despite just a ton of pitching injuries. And the Blue Jays, you know, they've seemed like they've been the pretty obvious choice for number eight for weeks now. Like this is the exact opposite of the NL where we didn't even know which teams would be in. And the Rays have, you know, very good pitching, obviously. And the Blue Jays, everybody talks about these young hitters. And yet every time I see a Blue Jays game, it's either they're putting up 12 or they're getting hit with 12. And it's funny because like, Halfway through the season, it was the exact opposite. There was a stretch where they were playing extra inning games like every single night where they had the most one-run games in baseball, which they still might. But for the last like three or four weeks, it's just been a disaster in one way or the other, right? Like there are no close games anymore. It does seem to me that some of that might have to do with Buffalo and there just being some weird park effects um, going on there that we just are completely unable to account for. But yes, the, the, the Blue Jays have been been all over the map. The thing that interests interests me most about this series is that because of this, the way the schedule was done for the shortened season, where you only played teams basically in your region, um, AL East only played AL East and NL East. Um, this is the only series of the eight in the first round where the two teams played each other during the regular season. Every other 
every other um, matchup, the teams did not play each other in the regular season because they're not from the same region, so to speak. So this is like the one where there's a little history. The Rays actually went six and four against the Jays this year, but the Jays outscored them. So, um, which I think is kind of interesting. But again, we're only talking about about ten games. Um, I've been on the the, the Rays bandwagon, um, you know, all year. They were my pick to to win it all before the season even began. So um, I don't really trust the Blue Jays pitching in any capacity, even like, you know, they're starting really or the relievers, even though some of the relievers have had good years, kind of su- surprising names. Um, you know, if to me, it's like, okay, as much as you can be confident in a three game series in a, in baseball, um, I'm pretty confident in the Rays, um, just their, their, their depth and the, um, their dynamic roster. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I, I did think it was interesting over the last, I don't know, 10 days of the season, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. just sort of took off. Right. He was over the last uh, six games and not including today, he was hitting 478, 500, 826. And I think you saw yet another homer today. Here's something I think is going to be kind of fascinating. Last week, we talked about young Toronto catcher Alejandro Kirk, right? And how he's, uh, you know, short in squat, but he doesn't strike out and he's got great exit velocity. Well, he is probably, I would think, going to catch game one if Hyunjin Ryu doesn't start because Ryu likes to be paired with Danny Jansen. And what I noticed was uh, Kirk's arm strength leaves a lot to be desired. I think he had had four stolen bases against him and none of the throws were harder than like 76 miles per hour, which is really weak. And even though we know stolen bases can be stolen off the pitcher, that seems like a big problem. And which team in baseball stole the most bases in September? The Tampa Bay Rays, which is not exactly what you would think of a Tampa Bay team. Um, But I think part of it is because after a very good offensive start, they really didn't hit well over the last couple of weeks. So that's what I want to see. I want to see if they just go nuts on Alejandro Kirk, you know, if he if he starts, which I guess we don't know if he will. Um, I also want to see if the Ray, if the Blue Jays have any decent starting pitching besides for Ryu. Like I know Taiwan Walker has been OK. I don't really trust him at all. Uh, you know, Pearson was hurt and then he came back as he stretched out. I don't know. Like, do you have a lot of faith in this Toronto rotation? No, not, I mean, not, I mean, I like I like Ryu, but like, yeah, Taiwan Walker, like it's just it's. Shoemaker's just not that much. The Rays, you know, also they have all the platoons. Like, I mean, you look at their look at their 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 hitters. I'm looking at it right now. It's like when you go by weighted runs created plus, where 100 is average. Um, you've got Brandon Lowe 153, Willie Adamas 124, um, Joey Wendell 115, Mike Brasso 150, Brandy Arozarena 179. It's like Yanni. I mean, Yanni Diaz has been hurt, but he also was really good. Like pretty much everyone who gets significant time on the team is above 100. Like the depth is just crazy. Um, and they're, I think they're just going to like wear out the Blue Jays pitching. The pitch, Blue Jays don't have the depth to sort of like withstand like the the at-bats and um, the quality at-bats they're going to get from the Rays. And then the flip side, you have the, the, the Blue Jays, I mean the Rays whose bullpen is just like guy after guy who most fans have never heard of and who just like comes in and just like dealing. Um, yeah. And it's that's I mean that's who the Rays are and uh, I think I'm, I'm hopeful to see them like have like a um, a deep run in these years playoffs so like more, more <laughs> darn it God, that's more, fans, more, more fans can get a get a get a sense of just how much fun they are they're like there's the word I always use is dynamic they're athletic they've got all these great pitchers I think Tyler Glasnow is like the most entertaining pitcher to watch in baseball right now so um, let's see what they got. We are, I think, both clearly going to choose the Rays here, but I just had a thought as we go and make eight predictions here. Are we going to be cowards every time and always pick the team we like in three? Um, no, I'll go raisin me- two. I'll go raisin two. Uh, okay, <laughs> all right. I'll go. I'll go raisin three just because I do like uh, Hyunjin Ryu, but I think we're both pretty clearly on the Rays. All right, here's our next series. Number two, Oakland will be welcoming number seven, Chicago White Sox, and. Let's start the clock on this before we say, oh, my God, what happened to the White Sox? But I I didn't even see what happened today. I I know they got lit up early and tried to come back, but they lost, right, I think. And they finished down the stretch like one, two, three, four, five, six, eight losses in their last nine games, something like that. Here's what I've learned from White Sox Twitter. They do not like their manager. And from some of the decisions I've seen, uh, I can't terribly disagree. Now, there are obviously a great many things I really do like about the White Sox. You know, Tim Anderson is a dude. Uh, you know, Eloy Jimenez, if he's healthy, is a dude. Luis Robert actually kind of struggled down the stretch, but I will say 
I have generally never been the biggest fan of either Dallas Keuchel or Jose Abreu. And so far, have they proven me wrong? Yes, they have. We talked about Garrett Crochet last week. Um, Lucas Giolito obviously has been great. I don't love the managerial decisions. I love the lineup. I like the bullpen. And, you know, we'll talk about the A's in a minute, but the A's have a better bullpen, but I don't really love their rotation. Like Giolito and Keuchel are probably the two best starters uh, on either side. Now, if you get past that, I don't trust Dylan Cease. Oh, and I certainly don't trust Ronaldo Lopez. It was terrible today. So I feel like the White Sox have to win this in two. And if it goes three, then it's Oakland's bullpen. How's that? That seems reasonable. Um, yeah, I, I try. I never try and put too much stock in how a team played down the stretch. But yeah, the, the, the White Sox really struggled. And it's kind of an understatement of what you said about uh, Luis Robert. Like, I mean, he he ended up the end of the season with a 295 OBP. Um, and he was like in, you know... In early August, people were like, "Oh, rookie of the year, maybe even the MVP conversation." And it's like it, it, it got ugly for him. I think you know, I don't want to say teams figured it out, but like it's it's tough as a rookie to kind of you know come up and just be dominant from day one and have it you know not have some rough patches. Um, and um, so that's a little bit a cause for concern. But I still actually kind of like the White Sox in this series, and I think that might just because I've had White Sox blinders all season. <laughs> to be honest with you, I was like really excited about them coming into the season, and they kind of I think um, made me look smart by overperforming. Um, and I kind of want to ride that. Um, but you mentioned the A's bullpen, which we talked about in um, a, a couple shows ago, which is kind of similar to the the Rays, and that it's like a lot of guys um, you've never really heard of who are really good, then, of course, obviously, they have to be Hendricks, who's been very good for a couple of years now. So it's been, it would be nice to see the A's actually advance. You know, they like the Braves, they've really struggled to really make any noise in the playoffs for, oh, going on like two decades now, even though they're constantly there. Um, so, you know, for, for a, the, a, the A's have a, a, a passionate fan base, and you would like, you, don't, you, don't, you think it's them in the stands this year, but you kind of would like to see that um, reward. I just, I mean, I just don't really know how they're going to, I mean, how they're going to score runs. It's like they're, they're, you know, obviously Matt Chapman's out and then their hitters this year were just like pretty mediocre across the board. And it's going to be their bullpen. That's going to, you know, that's going to ride them. And obviously teams have been doing that in postseason for years now, but the, the lineup just leaves uh, a lot to be desired. I will not hear this Robbie Grossman slander, by the way. You know, who actually, do you actually know, know who leads the A's in Wade runs created plus this year? I do. It's Robbie Grossman. It's actually Sean Murphy. Well, okay, fine. But it's close, right? <laughs> yeah, it's 129 to 126. Okay, well, whatever. Um, they got Jake Lamb, who's been pretty good, and I just enjoy that his teammates bah at him when he when he does something good. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Chapman's hurt. Marcus Simeon, I kind of thought was overrated last year, and I figured he'd take a step back. I didn't think it would be by this much. Uh, you know, Matt Olson really hasn't been that great, so I totally agree with you about the lineup. I just, I don't know. Like, I feel like the White Sox, I don't, I don't want to say this, but I feel like they're going to screw this up. <laughs> that's, that's how I feel. Right? I mean, Ibrahim has been great, obviously, right? Like, I don't, I think they're going to get into a big spot. And I think that they are going to bring in the wrong reliever and it's going to end poorly for them. I really do. I, I'm, I'm talking myself into the A's, I guess, and not even because of the two seven seating. I really don't care about that. It doesn't matter. I, I can say this though. There's a lot of evidence that says momentum or lack thereof headed into the postseason does not matter, right? People love to think it does. It super doesn't. There's some famous examples. The 2000 Yankees finished their season 3-15, and 15, won the World Series. Uh, the Dodgers in 2017 at one point lost 11 straight games in September, uh, went to the World Series, right? Like there are examples of this happening. So the fact that the White Sox have played terribly recently means nothing. It's not like the A's are red hot to end the season either by the way. But um, yeah, I don't know. The White Sox, I think, are a better team, and yet I have a lot less confidence in them. I can also say this. The A's two years ago won 97 games, and last year they won 97 games, and everybody still picked the Astros over them. I think myself included. Credit to the A's Twitter account today who said on a a per-game basis, they won the equivalent of 97 games this year. I think I'm going A's in three. I'm going to regret this so hard, and I feel like you're not going to agree with me. I'm going to go White Sox in three on this one. Um, as I said, just kind of sticking with like my preseason prediction. The one thing I will say about the White Sox, win or lose, is that I think that like the fan base, this is like really feels like the team that's on the cut. Like this, they, they're, they're, this is just the beginning for them. I mean, they have not only do they have a lot of really good young players, they're all like locked up. 
you know, they're, they're, this is this is like the Indians in the mid '90s to me. They have um, Moncada locked up. They've got Tim Anderson, Luis Robert. I think can't remember if they gave Eloy Jimenez if, if he has a got a contract extension, but like I think he might have. I think so. Um, this so is like, the 2015 this, Cubs, right? They have the the cores in place. I mean, Giolito's still you know a few years from free agency. They've you know been shown they'd be willing to be aggressive in free agency. So like to me, it's like if you're a White Sox fan, do not despair if it doesn't happen this year. It feels like this is going to be a few years of a really really entertaining team. All right, let's move on to our next series, the number three Twins, the number six Astros. I can hear everybody booing already. Um, start the clock, please, Danny. I know that you know, 2020 has basically been, I don't know, the worst year you could probably imagine. And so it's going to be poetic justice when a under 500 Astros team wins the World Series, which is still very possible. All right, the Astros, I, it's funny. I can't remember the last year, but I guess I can. It must have been 2014 that I paid so little attention to the Astros, right? Because... For years, they were the best team in baseball. We thought maybe the best team ever um, for reasons that obviously isn't how we're going to view them anymore. But worse than that, this year's Astros, I found just kind of boring, right? Now Cole was gone. Verlander uh, got hurt and was gone. So it's like Granky and a bunch of dudes you've literally never heard of. Here are the, the top five relievers listed on their baseball reference page. Okay, Ryan Presley, who I love, Ryan Presley. Andre Scrub, Blake Taylor, Enoli Paredes, and Cy Sneed. Most of those are real names. Um, Altuve has been hurt, hasn't done well. Correa has been lousy. You know, Tucker's been very good. Springer has been very good. Brantley's been very good. This is not a team without talent. You know, like it's not hard to see them ripping off a run. But I do love the Twins. Like they actually underperformed what I thought they would do for a lot of the season. And I think we talked about, you know, Buxton's weird year last year. But then this lineup is good. The defense is really good. And we never really talked enough about Kenta Maeda. If not for Shane Bieber, um, I think I'm making a Kenta Maeda Cy Young case, right? Uh, th- this Twins team, it's deep. It's got a good lineup. The defense is a lot better. I love the pitching. I'm all in on the Twins. This, I mean, this is this to me feels like the difference. What the, the the difference between the Twins this year and previous years? When you look at, I mean, they added Donaldson, which was kind of like an embarrassment, just like kind of an embarrassment of riches to add that bat to the to the, to the pre existing Bomba squad. But Maeda is the difference where like you feel like they have a pitcher pitching game one that you're like, okay, this is like, you know, someone who can go to toe-to-toe with pretty much anyone. And then you have, you know, Berrios and Pineda behind them where it's like, okay, there's like, there's, there's, there's depth here. Whereas like, you know, Berrios is one of those pitchers who like when he's at his best looks like a number one, but he's been pretty erratic throughout his career and like hasn't quite ever really like had a click where he became this like, you know, lockdown, like top of the rotation starter, but he's still pretty good. So to me, that's the difference between the Twins this year and in previous years. And they're, it's, I mean, again, three-game series, but like in my mind, they look well-positioned to advance against the Astros. I agree with you that the Astros team is so weird. Like, I know just the mojo around them is so terrible after the whole side-stealing stuff. Altuve was just terrible. What weird about Correa is he finally stayed healthy. He played in 57 games and was kind of a dud. Um, 256, 320, 362. So it's just the. I think we talked about this when the season began, when the first, when the when the Verlander injury hit, and we were like, "This could be the end of the Astros," and like the kind of the quote unquote Astros as we know them. And it really feel, feels that way. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they, you know, made a little run because there's still talent here, but they just, you know, they just don't feel as scary or as you know, like as as, as some, they don't feel like a juggernaut anymore. No, I, I would agree with you certainly on that. It, it's also funny to think about the Twins. If you've been following baseball for a while, for, I don't know, years, maybe like a decade, there was sort of a running joke about the Twins where it's like uh, they don't prize velocity and they don't prize strikeouts. They were like last or next to last in strikeout rate for like, I don't know, seven seven years running. Like they would literally go get guys who were named Kevin Slowey, right? And um, man, the new Twins, they are, they are very different. And it's not just you know, big names. It's these guys in the bullpen. Like here's Matt Whistler throwing 70% sliders, right? Like, uh, you know, all the guys who are named Tyler and Taylor and Trevor in their bullpen, they're all really good. Um, they have a deep bullpen. I think people are going to make a lot out of the fact that the twins have a really good home record. They were like 21 and six the last I looked. So, you know, a couple days out of date, but still, I don't think that matters. I don't really think that ever matters, but when it comes down to it, this is not the same Astros team. Like no matter what you think of the cheating scandal, right? And they deserved whatever punishment they got and more. 
Um, that is not why they were good. Why they were good is because they had the best players. And I just don't think that's true anymore. I mean, especially look in the bullpen, some talented young arms, but these are not the Astros we remember. So I think everyone will be really thrilled if the Astros get bounced, but I wouldn't put it past them. You know, <laughs> like you still get to start with Zach Greinke. Um, that's pretty good. But I think I'm going with the twins here because I think uh, Josh Donaldson and Nelson Cruz and Miguel Sano um, and like Ryan Jeffers, they, like, they're pulling guys out of nowhere too. And I should mention your boy, Luis Arise, yes, uh, has been fantastic <laughs> over the like, over the last like week or two. I know his knee is still banged up. Um, twins and two, man, I'll do it. Um, I'll go twins and three. I'll give the Astros a game. Um, as, to, to your point before, I mean, the difference between this year and last year for the Astros is no Garrett Cole, no Justin Verlander, um, Jordan Alvarez hurt. So it's and little hurt is in not playing, whereas at least Altuve might be banged up, but at least he's on the field and like he's just been terrible. It's like it's a it's a different team. All right, our final American League one. This is going to be a good one. Number four, Cleveland. Number five, the Yankees. I don't know what you're doing on Tuesday night, but I would enjoy watching Garrett Cole and Shane Bieber because that uh, is going to be a lot of fun. All right, Danny, if you would start the clock on this one, of course, please. I'm not entirely sure what to make of the Yankees. I think, uh, I can't remember now who was my World Series pick. It was Dodgers versus Yankees. I'm almost sure. I can't remember who I picked to win it all, but the Yankees were expected to be very good. And they were, and then they weren't, and now they sort of are again, and then they looked pretty indifferent over the last week. Um, Luke Voigt has turned himself into like a bonafide superstar. He led the planet in homers. He is one of the best hitting first basemen in baseball, DJ LeMahieu, continuing to do DJ LeMahieu things. Gio Urshela has proven it's not a fluke. Like He is one of the top three or so best hitting third basemen in baseball. You know, Stanton can't stay healthy. And Judge can't stay healthy, but they're healthy right now. And that's really all that matters. Because when those guys are healthy, they will hit the ball. So they'll be in the lineup. And all of a sudden, this is a much scarier lineup. Now, I'm not sure what to make of the pitching. Like, Cole is, you know, wasn't as great, but he's still very good. Uh, Tanaka, I guess I trust him. He continues to do Tanaka things. And one of my favorite things of the last week of the season... Aroldis Chapman has a splitter now. <laughs> Have you noticed this? I don't know if he threw it, if he was in today, but before today, he threw it three times. It was the first three times he'd ever thrown a splitter, and he got three strikeouts on it because that's fair. That's exactly what a guy who throws a million miles an hour needs. Um, as for the Indians, you know, Shane Bieber's awesome. Jose Ramirez is awesome. Uh, then there's also the rest of their lineup. I haven't looked closely into why Francisco Lindor hasn't hit that well this year, but he hasn't. We predicted their outfield would be terrible and it is like i don't i don't like this lineup more than i like oakland's i don't think and i don't really like oakland's that much so it's really going to come down to the fact of how far can you get on you know bieber Klezak, carrasco leading right into karen Jack and brad hand the answer might be pretty far because that's pretty good you mentioned the a's and comparing to the indians and that's sort of how i feel about them it's like how are they going to score? I mean, it's basically it's basically a one man lineup. Like you you can like after like after Jose Ramirez hits, you can like go run some errands and like not. <laughs> Whoa, where's my friend Mill love here? I mean, he's he's actually kind of the X factor because it's like you know he's uh, he's got the power and you know he might be a little bit of a feast feast guy. Like if he runs into a couple of homers in the series, you wouldn't be shocked. But yeah, you mentioned it. Lindor has been just okay at the plate. Um, Carlos Santana has one of the weirdest lines you've ever seen. Um, 187, 339, 315. Um, he basically, he's walking it like, you know, he's walking uh, almost 20% of the time, but that's basically all he's doing. So Bieber, you know, Bieber can shut down the Yankees in game one, then, you know, who knows? But he's going against Cole. I just can't see how the Yankees are going to, I mean, you wouldn't expect the, the the Indians to put up a big number on, on Cole. What worries me about the Yankees is, the, the bullpen has just been kind of erratic. You know, they have the names and, you know, in theory, I trust, you know, I love Adovino. I love Chad Green. Both those guys have been, had up and down years. Adovino has been walking a lot of guys. Um, Zach Britton has been very good. So he's sort of like kind of balanced, balanced that out a little bit. That'd be my concern for the Yankees. But I, you know, normally in a game where Shane Bieber pitches, the Indians are big favorites, except when he's going against a guy like Eric Cole, who can like, who's very well positioned to really just like totally shut down, um, uh, that lineup. So it's 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 a tough matchup in that respect for for the Indians. I am excited for, you know, that game will obviously be that series will obviously be well watched by even casual baseball fans to get James Karinchak uh 
exposed to <laughs> the, the larger uh, baseball baseball world. There definitely will be a lot of people where it's like, who is that? Rick Vaughn, number 99? What's going on here? Here's what I'm thinking about with this, at least in the game one matchup, right? Garrett Cole is very good. The Cleveland offense is is poor. Um, but when you think about the, the trends in baseball these days, obviously strikeouts are way up, singles are, are way down. There are actually, I think, more than like a thousand more strikeouts than hits in baseball this year, which is nuts. And people hate that, right? But one of the reasons people never think about enough as to why that happens is because some of these starters are so good that you can't really go and string a rally together. You know, like how often is Garrett Cole giving up three hits and a walk in an inning? Like it's not that often. But the one thing that Garrett Cole does do is give up home runs, especially this year. You'll have 14 home runs in 73 innings. That's a home run rate of 1.7 per nine. That's kind of a lot. So do I think they're going to have this lousy offense and rally against him? No. Do I think that Fran Mil Reyes can run into a home run or two? Like, sure. I mean, you know, even some of these guys have some pop, um, you know, obviously Ramirez and, and Lindor, but even, you know, like. Santana can run into a ball. And I think that's what's going to happen here is he's going to go out and throw like uh, an eight inning game and strike out 14, but allow two home runs because <laughs> they're going to be swinging out of their shoes against him. Because like, what else could you even do uh, against him? I really, I have a lot of trouble with the, the outfield though. Uh, it's not great. I, I'm going to go with Yankees in three, but I, I think this is going to be the best of any first round matchup here. Um, I agree with you, Yankees in three. Um, we've gone through the American League. So now we are uh, halfway through. I guess uh, who's coming out of the American League? I had the Yankees before the season. I guess I'm going to stick with the Yankees. Um, I, I, had the, about it. I had the Rays. I'll stick with the Rays. All right. I wouldn't have I mean, if we get a Rays Yankees second round series, there's a rivalry rare, that rivalry there. That would be an intense division series. And they are lined up to, to, to if they both advance, they will face each other in the division series. That is a good point. Um, and we were talking about this before the show. The, the, this is a bracket situation, so you are not going to re-rack the numbers here. If the Rays and Yankees both win their first-round matchup, they will play each other, which would be uh, a lot of fun. They cannot be in the ALCS. Let's move to the National League. One and eight, Dodgers and Brewers. Danny, please start the clock. So I just did for our site a positional breakdown of Dodgers and Brewers, and I got to say, man, this is grim. Um, I, I feel bad about it a little bit because – Partially, it's just that the Dodgers are so good. They scored the second most runs and they allowed the second fewest runs. Like, that's a, a nice trick. They were on a 116 win pace. Like, they were expected to be the best team and they were. And, you know, watching a lot of their season, it never really felt to me like, oh, a well timed hot streak. You know, it just sort of felt like, yep, this is business like. We are this good. This is what will happen. Meanwhile, the Brewers had a bit of an up and down season, and I'm going to give myself a little pat in the back here. I really hated their offseason. You know, they let Grandal go, they let Mustakas go, and they tried to patch with guys like uh, Eric Sogard and 15 other guys who are like Eric Sogard. And the offense is really bad. Like, it didn't work. What saved their season was that Corbin Burns was fantastic, and that Josh Hader was Josh Hader, and that Devin Williams was fantastic. So I love their bullpen. Uh, Freddie Peralta is great. I'm big on their bullpen. Unfortunately, Burns isn't going to pitch. Lorenzo Cain chose not to play most of the season. Kristen Yelich has been only okay. Um, I hate to say it's like, I, I don't know. I don't want to put too much on the Dodgers here. We know their October the history, and literally anything can happen in a three-game series. But look at the Dodgers lineup, and look at the Brewers lineup, and tell me how this goes well. I want to make two points about the Brewers. I agree with your overarching point. I will say that if, if Burns has been healthy, this becomes a much more interesting series because then it's like, oh, they've got, to, you know, between Burns and Woodruff, they have like two guys who pitched like two of the best pitchers in baseball this year. And it's like, okay, that's, you know, that can sort of counterbalance any lineup in theory. Um, I am, Yelich has just been a, just had a weird year. I mean, it's, it's, it's similar to the Carlos Santana year, actually. Um, hitting 202, 350, 429, a little more power, but not much. Um, basically just walking and striking out a lot. And that's kind of the difference. Of, a big part of the difference for, the, for them this year is that he just wasn't wasn't a superstar and wasn't a guy kind of carrying the team like like he had. Um, I'm excited to see Devin Williams in the postseason. I hope he gets a chance to pitch some high-leverage innings. That, um, that would obviously require the Brewers keeping these games close, which might be tough to do. Although I, um, when Woodruff pitches, it's, it's a reasonable matchup. Um, the other point I want to make about the Brewers that's also related to the Astros is that you might see people point out, oh, two below 500 teams uh, made the playoffs. It's never happened before. In fact, it has happened before in another weird baseball year in 1981 when they did a split season where the 
the winners of the first half made the playoffs and the winners of the second half made the playoffs. So the Royals that year went 20 and 30 in the first half and 33 and 20 in the second half. Or maybe I'm getting there. No, 23 and 30 in the first half and 30 and 20 in the second half. So they were 50 and 53 overall, but they still made the playoffs. So it has happened before. Um, don't be fooled if you see uh, some misinformation uh, spread out there. But yes, I generally agree with the overarching point. I do hope that, I mean, the Brewers are kind of spunky and I love Devin Williams, but like for the sake of like the postseason, I hope the Dodgers uh, advance. I think it would be kind of silly if they got knocked out by the Brewers. And I, um, you know, they're just, they're, they are such a talented team that it would be kind of a shame to not get to see more of them. Yeah, well, you're not wrong, right? If 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 you're not a big fan of the three game series and the Dodgers get bounced, that's a pretty good argument against it. What, one thing that's interesting to me about the Dodgers uh, is that you know their bullpen has been kind of a trouble spot for the last uh, a couple of postseasons. This year, it's been pretty good, but in a much different way. Like the the Brewers actually have the highest bullpen strikeout rate of any team this year. The Dodgers are middle of the pack. But suddenly they've got all these like ground ball guys, right? <laughs> like uh, like um, Adam Kolarik gets a lot of, of ground balls and Dylan Floro and Blake Trinan and Bruce Dark Rotterall and Victor Gonzalez. Like you don't think of the Dodgers as this team pitching to contact. And I'm not even sure it was planned this way, but they have all of these guys who can come in and get Dave Roberts a ground ball. And also, you know, you still have Kenley Jansen, uh, who's been pretty good and Reclamation Project, Jake McGee. So I still wouldn't take that over what the Brewers have, but it certainly feels to me like the Dodgers have to go into this with one single game plan. And that is whatever you do, don't end up in a situation where you have to score off of Devin Williams and Josh, <laughs> right? Because that will go very poorly. But if you can do anything other than that and not having Corbin Burns around, I think it's going to help with that, right? So, you know, the Brewers, like credit to them for getting here. Um, and they've obviously, if you value postseason experience, they do have that. But this is a very different team than the one that took the Dodgers to seven games in the NLCS two years ago, right? Grandall's not around. Kane's not around. Uh, Yelich doesn't look like the same guy. Mustakas isn't around. And I don't Ron's, know. Ron's two, years, Ron's two years older. Right. I mean, it sort of played out the way I thought it would. Like, I thought they were an okay team. And I gave credit that they always overplay our expectations. And it didn't happen here. Uh I think the bullpen will steal a game. Dodgers in three. And this is this is like a, I think, um, and I realize we're going over time here, but I think it speaks, I'm going to make a point that's not just about this series, it's about all the series and this, the strategy in these three-game series where there are no days off, right? So if you're the Brewers, and let's say it's the sixth inning of game one or the fifth inning, and you're you're winning, um, you know, 2-1, are you like, okay, we want to get game one, I'm just going to put Devin Williams in now and hope that he and, he and, he and Hayter could basically get me you know, maybe 10 outs or something to, to finish this game, figuring like, this is my chance to win game one. I'm basically going to tank game two and hope that I can bring them back in game three, right? Like that's sort of like teams that, that have, especially the teams that are like a, one or two really good relievers. It'll be interesting to see how, how they get deployed in these games. Or if they fall behind early and it's like, you know what, we're definitely not pitching Williams in this game or in Hater, and we'll just hold them for game two. And then game two is when we'll try and deploy them early and, and see how it goes. So I think that the it's going to be, really challenging for managers because they've never managed anything like this before like a three-game elimination series there's like no real blueprint for how to manage and um for the brewers to have any chance they basically need to get you know probably a total of i don't know i'm making this up they probably need like you almost want like at least eight outs from each of those guys over the course of the series to win um and they probably can't pitch all three games you kind of have to figure out how you're going to kind of maximize them all right, what do you got? Um, Dodgers and two. Dodgers and two. Okay, great. Well, uh, let's move on. So our next series here, number two, uh, the Braves, and number seven, the Reds. This one's kind of fascinating because I think two seven sort of like indicates there's a huge gap between teams, and in this case, I'm really not sure there is. Uh, Danny, please start us off. So the Braves, I'm not sure what to make of their starting pitching. Right, like that's been the big story all year long. And I'm not sure it's any different. Like Max Fried seems like he might be healthy, um, but I'm still not sure I trust anyone they have to start other than him. But we should, I guess, point out, oh my God, Marcelo Zuna. Like, oh my God, I, I, don't, I don't care that he almost won the Triple Crown. Or did he? This is how much I don't care, but he came close. I don't think he did. But the point is, after two like sort of okay-ish seasons for the Cardinals, and we kept saying, oh, well, his underlying metrics are much, much better. And yet I don't actually think that predicts a great season. Um, oh, my God. 
<laughs> this guy was a monster all season long. You pair him and Freddie Freeman, and if that's not the best like back to back hitters in the game, like it's it's pretty close because those guys are absolute dudes, and it makes up for the fact that you know Albies was hurt and like only okay, and you know in Ciarte was terrible. Obviously, I've forgotten Ronald Lacuna Jr. because I'm as always an idiot. Um, I love the Braves' offense, I really do. I don't love their starters at all. I like the bullpen pretty well like i I, you know melanson's been okay and you know they've got like guys you don't know enough about like grant dayton and aj minter um but meanwhile the reds are like the exact opposite right like those starting pitchers bauer castillo sunny gray are capital d dudes and yet the offense (laughs) they were uh, as of like two days ago the lowest batting average in baseball and they made the playoffs so there's something like that remember we thought sort of the opposite before the season when they went out and made all those moves and were like, whoa, these, these guys are going to hit. What happened to Eugenio Suarez? <laughs> what happened to Nick Castellanos? You know, what did they, what did they do to these guys? I, I mystified here. The Suarez is, is kind of a mystery because he, he did hit for power. And it's like, he basically, he hit for power. He ended up with 15 home runs and he still walked a bunch, but like did nothing else. So it was basically, so um, I still think it's there. I think it might just be like a weird, um, like 60 game sample thing. So I still think it's there. Um, what I love about the series. So two things, um, it just, they, while we were recording, uh, MLB just sent out the schedule for, um, the, the first two days of the wildcard round and the Reds and Blaves, um, are going to play at noon on Wednesday, which is just kind of awesome. The kicker, that's a, that's the day where there's going to be, um, eight games, eight playoff games played and the Reds and Braves will get it going at noon. Um, some of our younger listeners might not even realize that the, Reds and Braves used to be in the same division, the NL West, <laughs> uh, which is like kind of wild to think about. But that, that hasn't been since 1993, uh, where they did the realignment and the Braves moved to the NL East. But um, yes, both those teams, the team in Georgia and a team in Ohio, were in the NL West, which uh, some <laughs> some of our younger listeners may not even realize, which is kind of wild to think about. But as when we were kids, that was like the norm. Um, I'm with you. The Braves' offense is like uh, maybe almost underappreciated. Acuna started off slow. So I think people like kind of like it was like kind of overlooked that he ended up. I mean, he ended up with uh, you know an uh, OPS of almost a thousand. Um, he ended up really picking it up down the stretch. So Freeman Acuna Ozuna is probably might be the best like trio in a lineup in the entire play in the entire playoffs. Um, the bullpen's been pretty good. Um, I like this Braves team. Um, they were they, again. I'm kind of going with they were my preseason uh, World Series pick. I remember um, doing the pod, our preseason podcast with uh, Mark Bowman, our Braves reporter, and Juan Tribio, our Rays reporter, and I was like, "Oh, these are my two World Series picks." So, um, I think that um, I think they're going to get through the Braves, uh, through the Reds. Um, the lineup is just too good, um, and as good as the the Reds, um, the Reds, the Reds starting pitching is, I think they'll get there. This is my favorite series. Um, I think it's just a good mix of good, you know, strength versus weakness, and then you also have some other just like entertaining players Acuna obviously extremely entertaining um I love him Amir Garrett one of the more exciting players coming out of the Reds bullpen so there's just like a really good mix of of talent here Trevor Bauer always a lightning rod so uh I am I will be amped at Wednesday at noon for this one yeah I'm glad you brought up the kind of strength versus a strength thing like is there a more fun you know pairing of let's say the red starters like Bauer and Castillo and Gray pitching against Freeman and Acuna and uh ozuna like that's awesome and then you know the reds can't really hit and i'm not sure that the the braves behind freed can you know really have starting pitchers so that's actually gonna be a lot of fun like i'm really interested to see what does trevor bauer do against these these great hitters right like freddie freeman is crushing the ball ozuna is crushing the ball and okunia is crushing the ball um i don't know i i think i may agree with you that the two this is one of the two series i'm most interested in watching like indians yankees i think will be great and i think this one will be great and i'm still talking because i don't want to make a prediction on this one (laughs) to be totally honest with you so let's work backwards it's going to be three i'm not going to say two i'm going to go reds i don't feel strongly about this i'm going to go brazen three all right thank you for choosing the other side um of that one now this next series i think it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about number three cubs versus number six literally the marlins and Danny started off with the clock, please. We should probably just take a brief minute to applaud the Marlins, who obviously had a giant break in their season for uh, the COVID outbreak. Um, we're going to get to that with the Cardinals in a second, too. But, but the fact that they are here 
and I know they wouldn't be here, obviously, if it wasn't for the expanded playoffs, and that's fine and fair, is more than a minor miracle, right? Like, it's it's cool. It's really cool. Now, that being said, I don't get them, really. Um, they had, let's see, the third lowest strikeout rate for their pitching staff this year. They had the 10th highest ERA. And I thought that if they were going to be successful, it was going to be because of their pitching. And I get it. It was interrupted. The guys, you know, got, got sick and I totally understand all that. And yet the offense wasn't that great. It was, let's see, the 18th strongest offense in terms of weighted runs created. Plus like what I liked was if you remember last year, they had a borderline historically weak offense. And instead of going out and get superstars, they just got competent major league dudes, right? They got Jesus Aguiar, who's been pretty good. They got Corey Dickerson, who's been pretty good. You know, Matthew Joyce, like Francisco Cervelli, just guys like that, which is really what they needed. You know, they they turned themselves during the season. They did this. They did. Although I think he got uh, hit in the helmet today. So hopefully he's he's healthy enough to play. Um, And then you had some sort of like mini breakouts. Do I buy Miguel Rojas as a as a 141 OPS plus hitter? Absolutely not. But that's the thing he did. You know, Garrett Cooper was pretty good. Brian Anderson has like the exact same season he has every year, which is like 10 to 20% above average. So, you know, they've got guys in a way that they didn't before. And I kind of like, I sneaky like the top of the rotation, like Pablo Lopez is pretty good. You know, Sixto Sanchez, obviously like is electric. Um, And I don't know if I trust the Cubs. I mean, they've got the names, right? I mean, they've got the pitching for sure. Better, I think, than the Marlins do because you Darvish is obviously great. And Kyle Hendricks, like there's no question that the, the Cubs lineup and roster is more talented but i don't know there's just something that has felt off about the cubs offense all year like even ian happ who had what looked like a great season uh fell apart over the last two weeks you know like brian's been pretty bad until recently rizzo's been okay i don't i don't know what's going on with the cubs offense i don't think anybody does um but i think i like the team with you darvish better than the team that doesn't that's fair. Yeah, you mentioned you know you mentioned the the, the Marlins being 18th in weighted runs created plus this year. Well, the Cubs were 24th. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> you look at their you look at the lines of their team. It's like what what happened? Um, Brian, as you said, it was brutal. You know, Rizzo was like okay. Um, Ian Happ and Jason Hayward kind of saved them, which is just not something you would have expected to say when when the season began. So um, Darvish is obviously a difference maker for them. Sixto Sanchez kind of came out like that was he looked like he might be the difference maker for the Marlins when he kind of came up and was like lights out um, as maybe this like, you know, um, ascendant ace coming into the playoffs. He's had a, been a bit rocky in his last couple outings, so I'm not sure people we what to expect of him in a in a playoff outing. The one thing that is interesting to me about the Marlins is that like I feel like there could be a team that would be I think I meant, meant it to this last week, like who. They've got they've got some speed, um, although it's some of it depends on, on Marte, frankly. Um, but like they're a team that could sort of like, you know, be a little aggressive and in ways that like you that could be kind of annoying, kind of like pesky and cause some trouble that way. But the thing is, and they were second, I think, in the majors this year in stolen bases. Um, but the, the the Cubs actually are very good at preventing stolen bases. They were only allowed twenty two, and they they threw out eleven runners, so it's not like a weakness for them. So I thought that might be something that could be kind of an intriguing subplot. So I don't know how much though they will uh, they will test that. But um, with how good Darvish was um, this year, I kind of I just in just sort of the pedigree of the team, despite the fact that some of these guys had mediocre years, I would I will uh, it'd be hard not to to pick the Cubs. I'm already sick of the. <laughs> I was just going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't started, uh, but just the amount of talk there will be about. Uh, Steve Martin, Steve Martin, Steve Martin, not Steve Martin, Steve Martin. <laughs> um, it's already kind of nauseating. Uh, thank goodness it's only a three game series. Yeah, I was, I there, was won't be, there won't be fans of the stands. No, I was going to steal your bit there, but um, I, I, yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, you know, the Marlins are a really great story and I, I think they're going to get a lot of play for that just for being here because it's, it's super cool. And also like hopefully future facing, right? Like I, w- I was hopeful for them starting the year and then Sanchez looks like he's going to be the real deal and they've got some other guys coming up and it would be nice if this was like a stepping stone to them you know actually being like seriously competitive um for years to come do I think they've got a big run in them now no Cubs and gotta hate that offense three 
I'll say, yeah, I'll say, uh, I'll say Cubs in three. Yeah, the, the 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 pitching depth for the Marlins, their bullpen was pretty pretty poor. Um, ranked thirtieth in Fangraphs WAR. Um, the Marlins bullpen. Um, so uh, I'm gonna go Cubs and I'll go Cubs in two. All right, our last series. This one should be a really fun one, I think. Number four, San Diego. Number five, St. Louis. The uh, St. Louis Cardinals had a similar situation as the Marlins. Um, you know, now that I think about it, they're similar in a lot of ways. They had obviously a similar COVID-related interruption, and also their offense leaves a lot to be desired. Um, I think we talked about this probably over the winter on a, the previous iteration of the show. Their offense was weak last year, and they let Marcel Ozuna leave and did nothing to replace him. And surprise, surprise, their offense was weak again this year, although Paul Goldschmidt uh, has been very, very good. But man, DeYoung has been worse. Carpenter looks cooked. And none of those outfielders, like O'Neill wasn't very good, like Bader, Fowler were fine, I guess. But I think they wanted Dylan Carlson to take a big step up. It didn't happen. And then also, you know, Jack Flaherty's been okay. Their number one starter, I guess, right now is Adam Wainwright, which is kind of cool, you know, from just like a baseball history standpoint. I don't know if he's actually going to start game one. Um, but I have a lot of concerns about this team. Even the bullpen that I really liked last year has been okay. Like I like Giovanni Gallegos a lot. I like Tyler Webb, you know, okay. Andrew Miller's still kicking around. Meanwhile, I've been a big fan of the Padres um, and everything that they've done, you know, dating back to last year, even before they made all these crazy moves. Now, let's point out the obvious here. Is Mike Clevenger going to pitch? I don't know. Is Denelson Lamette going to pitch? No idea, right? So are we looking at number one starter, Zach Davies? Does that worry you a little bit? Because I feel like it should. Definitely. And I think that that's, I mean, that's, I don't think we're going to see Clevenger. We might see Lamette, but it's like, are we seeing a compromised version of Nelson Lamette who had to leave the other? I don't even, I can't even remember what it was. It What, what uh, was it? Elbow soreness or it was, it was kind of the, yeah, it's it right. It's like similar for both of them, I think. Um, so that's, we, it's, it's kind of a noble. We won't really know until he comes in and, and see how, see how he's throwing, but it sounds like he's going to pitch, but it definitely changed, it definitely changes the equation in like a really, in a meaningful, in a meaningful way. So um, I think I still, um, like the Padres, this Cardinals team is just like, not that, I mean, it's just not that interesting. Exactly um, right. It's exactly have, right. I mean, the, to, to, you know, we talked about them being kind of a, the Indians before being a, a one man offense, um, with Jose Ramirez, with Goldschmidt, Cardinals and Goldschmidt, it's been kind of similar this year. Um, he's been the old Goldschmidt basically, um, although he only, only has six home runs, but, uh, the 412 OVP and everyone else has been pretty underwhelming. So, there's not like you, you, when you face that lineup it's a, at the opposition, you're not, there's no one you're really like, other than maybe the name on the back of the jersey, you're like, oh, yes, you know, Matt Carpenter was a star. It's not like you're, you're that. They don't really have any ascendant players on offense. You know, Dylan Carlson was supposed to be that and he still might, but this year he definitely looked, um, he looked overmatched uh, in the majors 29% strikeout rate, 7% walk rate. So, there's just not a lot to get excited about here. Or the flip side, like the 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 Padres, you know, led by Fernando Tatis Jr. are kind of like the definition of ascendant team right now. Like a bunch of exciting players, um, and um, they made a bunch of trades in the mid, in the middle of the season to kind of upgrade their team. So without Clevenger, I don't think they can win the World Series. But I still think I think they can win a, win a three game series against the Cardinals. Yeah, exactly right. I I think. If they get to a five or seven game series, I'm going to have a lot more questions about that starting pitching. But for right now, you just look at like the overwhelming talent they have on offense. They are at or near being the best offense in baseball. And it's not just the big names. Like, yes, Manny Machado has been fantastic. He is in the MVP conversation, right? Eric Cosmer, uh, much better than usual. But, you know, Will Myers, where did Will Myers come from? Having a fantastic year. He had a, a 14 homers. Uh, 591 slugging entering today. Yeah, it's um, like Fernando Tatis. Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. Um, Trent Grisham, who was like one of my breakout guys this year, and he he was actually really really good. I know Jake Cronenworth got off to a good start. You know, kind of fell off a little bit afterwards. But it's not just like the big two. Even like Jerks and Profar was useful. <laughs> you know, like it where did cool. that happen? It is cool to see um, Jerks and Profar kind of finally like have a productive season and like kind of be look like. I mean, he's not going to be like you know. 10 years ago, he was the top prospect in baseball. And it was like, this is going to, maybe not 10, I can't remember. Maybe it was like seven years ago. It was like, this is the guy. Like, this is, you know, this is like the future, the next great shortstop. He had some injuries. It never really materialized um, in Texas. So it's where where he came up. It's cool to see him uh, be a useful player on a contending team. One, one, 110 weighted runs created plus this year. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, 
you know, obviously I love the talent of Chris Paddock. If he needs to start, he didn't really have a very good year. I would say the same thing for Garrett Richards. Uh, two points about their bullpen. I will go to the wall that Drew Pomerantz is the well, okay, Devin Williams exists. I was going to say the best reliever in the National League. Maybe now he's second best, but Drew Pomerantz had a fantastic year. There, there's one thing that makes me somewhat happy to not be a Padres fan, and I don't know if I have like the inner fortitude to see a very tight playoff game and see Trevor Rosenthal coming in, right? Because he's been great this year. like No question about it. He's been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, but you saw him the last two years, right? Like getting bounced around from team to team, I hope it sticks. I will go. Yeah, I don't like the Cardinals very much in this at all. If it was a full strength rotation, I'd say Padres in two. But because of that uncertainty, Padres in three. Uh, I agree with you on that one. Uh, Rosenthal has not allowed a run since coming to the Padres. He's just been absolutely dominant. He will be one of the stories of the postseason, especially if they advance. Just that kind of coming back from where he was. It'll be uh, interesting to see him come into his first big spot in the uh, in the postseason. So I feel pretty lame just like picking the chalk here, but I'm going to pick the Dodgers. They're the best team all around, right, to come out of the NL. Do you have somebody better? I agree. I'll stick with the Braves because they were my preseason pick, so I might as well like ride it. Um, I do think the Dodgers are a better team, but as we know in baseball, especially when we're throwing in this extra round of of randomness, um, weird stuff can happen. So I'll stick with the Braves, even though I think that the, the Dodgers are the best team. How are you going to watch this, right? We've never had a postseason format like this where you know we'll have, we'll have four games on on Tuesday and then eight games on Wednesday uh, and Thursday like how will you even approach the, you know consuming this we've had the four you know every year on the first Friday of the the wild card round of the division series we get the four games so we, we 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 at least have some idea of how to do the four games although the way it's scheduled this year there's no um it's uh the way it's scheduled is uh Astros and twins at Tuesday at two. White Sox and A's at three, so they're not going to play late late, late West Coast game. They're going to do a noon local start. Blue Jays and Rays at five, and Yankees and Indians at seven is the late game on that Tuesday. And then Wednesday is when it gets weird. We've got starts at noon, East Coast time, noon, one, two, three, four, five, seven, and ten, uh, with the Brewers and Dodgers, the the late game, and the Yankees and Indians in, in prime time. So that is going to be – I don't know how I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch that game, that one. I think I'm really going to try and bear down on – on Reds Braves and assuming it, it stays it stays close I'll, I'll ride that to the end until I'm switching over to uh to Astros Twins which is the one o'clock start you know what's going to make this even uh, more of a mess so the on Wednesday we have eight different games right and the Dodgers game will start at 10 Eastern seven local um the Lakers will be starting game one of the NBA finals at more or less the same time so if you like sports there will be sports <laughs> that will be had all right this is gonna be fun um it's going to be weird. Hey, we're going to do some StackCast broadcasts of these, at least on Tuesday night for the Yankees-Indians game uh, on ESPN Plus and probably some more stuff after that. So uh, keep an eye out for that. I'll be doing that. Um, this is our show for this week. This is the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. Thanks for listening.